we began giving laptops to the high school student participants in the ARC program several years ago as research projects started to become more computationally heavy. Um, so students were needing a computer to crunch data and um, they didn't have enough access to computers at the lab. They couldn't use their mentors computers. They need to be able to do it in the hotel in the evenings. And so we started providing computers from ARC and the students were so grateful. I have never seen such excitement as the first year we gave laptops and so no one had any idea it was going to happen. And I had the pleasure of being the project manager who got to stand up and announce after passing them all out that they got to keep them. And they would send me feedback that said things like, I wasn't sure I was going to have a laptop for college and now I do. And that oh my gosh, that's just huge. My parents were worried about being able to get me a laptop for college, and now they don't have to worry about that. Thank you. Thank you, ARC, for doing that for us. Um, and so this year, because of the virtual environment, we needed to also provide laptops to the middle school students. And we just don't want technology to be a reason that students can't participate. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join your hosts, Michael and Jenna, as they discuss all things ORAU through interviews with our experts who provide innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, how we're impacting an ever-changing world, and our commitment to our community. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Further Together, the ORU podcast. It is Wednesday and I'm excited about this episode because we're talking about one of the many programs that I love here at ORU. Um, and it, this whole summer COVID thing kind of reminds me of what has been attributed as a Chinese curse, but I'm not sure the veracity of this, but may you always live in interesting times. And boy, howdy, are we living in some interesting times. Our K-12 team had to completely move just about all of the programs that we do to virtual. And one of those very successful programs is the Math Science Technology Institute and middle school science academy that we do with the Appalachian Regional Commission. So I have with me today Jennifer Terrell from the K-12 team and Wendy Wasserman from the Appalachian Regional Commission. Good morning, ladies. Hello. Good morning, I'm, Michael. It's great to be here. I'm so glad to have you and I'm so glad we get to talk about this because I love, love, love as I've learned how successful this program was this summer. Um, just being able to share how amazing it was and the great work that we're doing together um, over you and the Appalachian Regional Commission. So um, very quickly, Jennifer, I know you've, you've been here before and almost everybody knows who you are, but tell us quickly who you are. Uh, I'm Jennifer Tyrell. I work with the K-12 STEM Outreach Group here at ORAU. And I actually have a very interesting history with the ARC programs um, because I began working with the ARC programs in 2009 when I was a high school biology teacher. Wow. So, yeah, I, I was brought in to write curriculum um, for the very first 
middle school science academy group in 2009. And I worked as a master teacher with the middle school program for four years. Um, and then was asked to begin managing the ARC high school program, um, not as a teacher, as a project manager. So I, okay. I managed that program for four years and became very familiar with the high school institute. Um, so after that, I have now been able to oversee the project managers who manage both the middle school and the high school program. And so I'm so glad that I have been involved in that program um, since 2009. That's really interesting. I love that. I love getting to play multiple roles. I think it brings <laughs> a really rich understanding of the program and its goals. That's great. Absolutely. Wendy Wasserman, welcome to Further Together. Thank you. Great to be here. Tell us a little bit um, well, every time I talk to Jennifer, I learn something new. So I, I'm, I'm sort of feeling like, you know, I'm pulling up the rear here. Um, my name is Wendy Wasserman. I'm the communications director at the Appalachian Regional Commission, which is a federal state partnership um, of representing uh, economic diversity in uh, 13 states um, from northern Alabama to southern New York. And we have been working with ORU on this program. I mean, Jennifer said she started in 2009, but I know in some version of this, it actually predates her, that, that's believable, um, for close to 30 years. Mm -hmm. And it's really one of our flagship um, partnerships um, when it comes to skill development for next generation Appalachians. We love it. And uh, I'll tell you a little story. I've been with ARC for about five years. And when I walked into ARC in 2015, it was right around the time, just after graduation that year, and I had actually never heard of this program. And I walked in and they said, okay, well, we're doing graduation. We have this video and we have to push it out. And I was like, I, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the sweetest thing. And I think it really represented um, the thrust and the passion of this program, watching the kids um, do their work and their excitement. Um, everything from watching them being excited to apply, because it's a competitive application, through being accepted through at that time what was a residential program um, and all the really intensive stuff that they got to do and the goofy being teenager stuff that they got to do um, and then through the graduation. So uh, it's definitely a, a wonderful life cycle of a thing. Awesome. I love to hear that. So, um, Wendy, tell us first, just to sort of set ground level for everyone, what yeah. is the Appalachian Regional Commission? It's the tiny uh, agency you've never heard of, but probably impacts every part of your life if you're anywhere from northern Alabama to southern New York, as I said. So the Appalachian Region uh, Commission covers 420 counties. Our mission is actually um, on economic development in the region, bringing the region to economic parity with the rest of the country. So that's sort of a complicated concept. It's not like we're gonna solve all the region's problems in a handshake and anything like that. It's actually just to help leverage um, resources, especially public resources that are going into the region specifically for the goal of economic development. 
So we're based in D.C. Um, simply because uh, we're publicly funded by Congress, and so we have to continue those relationships with Congress. But we work in direct partnership with the 13 governors that represent each one of our 13 states, right? So, again, looking at that map in your head from northern Alabama to southern New York, there's 13 states along there. Um, and there's portions of 12 of them, with the exception of West Virginia, we have the entire account of the entire state of West Virginia in our footprint. So our job is to work with the, the governors using public funds, but work with the governors to think about and strategically invest in economic development in their parts of their state that's in Appalachia. And so then the logical question would come, what does this program have to do with economic development? I have a feeling that's on your mind right now. Um, it's, you know, it's not building water and sewer, and it's not, um, you know, I don't know, training welders or something. But it actually, right. in a way, is a precursor to all of that because um, our interest in this program, and I think the genesis of the partnership, was really about making sure that kids, right, kids starting in middle school, were thinking about opportunity and were thinking and imagining big. Um, and the only way to imagine big is to to have exposure of what's out there. And STEM education is taking off across the region, actually, um, and across the world, for that matter. And so to allow kids to think and imagine big in a very tactile way, so as they grow up, um, they can think about opportunity that, that's out there and where they can fit in and how they can imagine themselves doing that. Awesome. Yeah, one of the really nice things about this program and what we do with it is that we are exposing students as well as teachers to the wealth yeah. of STEM careers that are available out there. Um, students come to us often thinking that if they want to have a career in STEM, they have to go get a PhD. And maybe they feel like that's unattainable to them, but we show them that there are other STEM careers out there for them that maybe they can do with just a high school diploma or maybe they can do with an associate's degree and give them confidence that they can pursue those things. And then maybe they do those and realize, oh yeah, I can get that PhD <laughs> and go on bigger from there. Um, but we, we let them visualize themselves in these positions by meeting research scientists who are from Appalachia. We have a great example of a former participant in the ARC program. She participated in the early 90s as a high school student um, from a rural county here in East Tennessee and now is a researcher at ORNL. Um, she's exactly the epitome of what we're trying to do with students. Um, and when we were, had a residential program, we had her speaking to the students and talking to them about what she did and they can see themselves in her. She has the same accent that they do. Right, she, right. She grew up <laughs> yeah. on the farm just like they did. Um, and that's really nice. We want to identify the STEM talent in Appalachian students and keep them in the Appalachian region doing what they're good at. And that helps with that economic development aspect that you're talking yeah. about. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I think, Jennifer, you make a super good point, which is STEM isn't all rocket science. It isn't all right. advanced, super duper chemistry with five degrees and words you can't pronounce. Exactly. Um, it can be nutrition. It could be a physician's assistant. It could mm -hmm. be... Um, a computer tech. It can be, it, it can be anything. Um, but just having the tools to be able to 
think um, in and bringing in that multidisciplinary way of thinking can inform anyone's academic and personal development. That's great. Well, and and we have tended to look at the work that our K through 12 team does as kind of the starting point for the economic and workforce development that we do through the rest of our workforce development team. So um, yeah, it is part of the larger picture of, of overall economic development. And um, just to veer a little bit off course, I know we've, you know, we've been doing this program for about 30 years, but I know we work together in other areas and, and we don't have to yeah. touch on this in, you know, too deeply, but some of our opioid work, you know, the, um, mm-hmm in Appalachia has, has been sponsored by ARC and, and some of the other work that we do. And all of that mm-hmm. really does feed into economic development because if your community is mm-hmm. hit hard by opioid use and people can't work and, you know. You That's a workforce of, issue. Yeah, it's a workforce issue. So, um, yeah, so we proudly, I have to say, because that's one of my other heart issues um, working here at ORU is talking about the work we do um, in the opioid space is, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're helping people where they are to improve their lives, their communities, their workforces. Um, and we do that in several ways. So that personally, um, I find very exciting. So, um, and again, we've been, we're, we've been doing the... the Math Science Technology Institute for 30 years. Who'd have thought, right? Um, this year was 31. 31, right? This year was 31, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is amazing. Um, and we've talked, we've talked a little bit, Wendy and Jennifer, about how it's ordinarily a residential program, the high school program, students and teachers come to Oak Ridge for two weeks. They meet people at the lab, all of that. Um, that wasn't able to happen this year, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> no, but, usually. Oh, go ahead, Michael. No, so, so sorry, I was just going to say, so we've made this huge pivot um, as the K-12 through team did with most of our programs this summer. Um, to doing it virtually. And from all accounts, it was extremely successful as a virtual program. It absolutely was. And I am so proud of the team of people who worked on it this year because it was, um, it was an incredible feat to, to pivot the way that we did from an in-person residential program um, so quickly to a virtual program. We like the rest of the world, we're holding out um, as long as possible, hoping for an in-person experience. Um, But once it was evident that we couldn't safely have students travel and gather in groups, we had to shift and execute our backup plan for a virtual program. Um, We had been working on logistics that included hotel rooms and catering and transportation. And all of a sudden, all of that was out the window (laughs) And, and we were focusing on online platforms and technology troubleshooting and, and shipping over 100 boxes of equipment to students in 13 states. It, it was things that we've not had to deal with before in this program um, or in other programs. Right. This, this was a completely new thing for us, um, but it was incredible. 
students reported on their um, evaluations that they had a wonderful experience. 100% of this year's participants said they would recommend the program to their friends and colleagues. That's high school students, okay. middle school students, and high school teachers. I think that's that speaks marvelous. volumes Absolutely. about what we were able to do. Of course, the, when it's in-person and it's residential and they meet friends and they get to go to the national lab, which is incredible. For, you know, People who have never been to a national lab are amazed whenever they get there and see what it's like and sit in the presence of these brilliant scientists and they meet all these folks from across the country and make best friends for life. And we take them to do all sorts of fun things. Of course, they're going to like that program, right? Right, of course. <laughs> but this year, to hear them say that they even had a fantastic experience from their home, connecting with researchers on Zoom, doing research with a box of equipment that we mailed them, um, that, that really told us that we had accomplished our goal. Um, the students were able to conduct research projects still under the guidance of research scientists, just virtually. Um, right. We didn't get to have all the great cultural activities that we always do, but we supplemented with some different types of activities. Everything was virtual. Um, so instead of visiting local things that we'd go to in person, we took them virtually to, um, to Yosemite National Park and we took them virtually to Mars <laughs> and they did a Mars Rover project. Um, which are things that we're normally, we were limited by geography and sure. in this environment we weren't. So, so some really nice things came out of the pivot um, despite its challenges. Right, right. So talk about how, and I know this work works both in the residential program, but also virtually, basically how the program works. So the students, if they were coming to town, normally the students and teachers would be working on projects bench side really with mentors other researchers at the national lab what is the purpose of that what comes out of that etc normally <laughs> the students come to ornl and the first thing that affects them is the fact that they are on site at a national lab a place that they've never been an experience that they've never had and they get to see kind of what a big deal research is that these are not things that are hidden and taking place in, in these tiny little offices, but look at this huge enterprise that national lab level research is. So you're right, they're paired with a mentor um, in small groups of students or teachers. They work side by side with that person. Um, sometimes they get to read a research paper for the first time in their lives, which is a wonderful thing to be exposed to. Um, a lot of them are seeing for the first time how important communication how important reading and writing can be for STEM, that we're not just talking about science and math. Look at this paper that your mentor had to write and publish and how important those aspects are. And then they get to do um, the hands-on research at the bench. They're working in a national lab facility where all sorts of brilliant people have been before um, on a project that we don't necessarily know the answer to. Oftentimes in school, the things that pass as research are cookie cutter labs and everybody knows what the right answer is. And ideally what we try to get from the mentors at the lab are pieces of their current research that they don't know yet how it's gonna turn out. 
and let students and teachers have a role in it. Um, do a little piece of it. Maybe replicate something that they've done once and got weird results from. Let's see if we get it again. Um, and it's a really incredible experience for students and teachers who often don't have any research background to be able to get that aha moment. Right. Oh, this is what it's like to learn something before anyone else knows it. This is what it's like to make a discovery. And that's part of what we want to give them is that excitement. And while they're at ORNL, they're working on a team, um, not just their team of people who are in the program, but also experiencing the research team, which is not just PhD scientists like we mentioned earlier. They get to see all different levels. They get to talk with grad students. They get to talk with lab techs um, and get to know lots of different potential pathways. We want to expose them to as many different pathways to their career so they can find themselves in one of them. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love that that could still happen this year, even though it was virtual, you know, they were still able to do that. They still produced um, papers and posters, you know, projects at the end of their, the, for the high school students, two weeks and for the middle school students, one week. Right. We, oh no, it was, it. it was two weeks for middle school this year too. Right. Yeah. This year, middle school looked a little different. Normally middle school is only one week, but um, in order to, to get them the experience we wanted to get them. Um, we needed to make it two weeks. Middle school students can't sit in front of a screen for as long as high school students right. can um, to communicate with their mentor. So they had a shorter research period every day um, over the two week period. Gotcha. And they okay. were still able to create some really awesome products. The middle school, um, the middle school program has an entrepreneurship component um, which is a lot stronger than the entrepreneurship program in the high school um, institute. They both have an entrepreneurship aspect, but in the middle school program, we are having students use what they learn in STEM to create a product to solve a problem and then talk about marketing it. So their final presentations discuss marketing um, this thing that they've created over two weeks, which is absolutely vital to economic development. What if we could get all of those kids to be entrepreneurs, to start their own small businesses, right. to create things and solve problems? We just want them to look around their community and see what could I improve? And then right. have the confidence that they can, that they can go and fix that problem instead of just shrugging it off. And talk about economic development. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you can start your own business. So Wendy, as like yeah. all of this was changing, like from your perspective, <laughs> <laughs> how did all of this go? You know, um, the answer was swimmingly, you know, I think um, us old folk, and I'm going to say that we're us old folk um, because we're older than like 18, um, you know, thought of, oh my gosh, pivoting to an online program is lesser than. Um, and is somehow worse than, um, and is somehow suboptimal than. And I think we actually did ourselves um, a disservice thinking that, because what we were finding is that um, the target audience for this program, and I'll talk about some of the other programs that this has actually helped um, spur and inspire, um, 
had a totally different experience because these kids are being online and typing and having virtual relationships. That's just as normal as having coffee in the morning for us. Sure. So, so for us, where we were thinking it was a deficit for them, it was a skill they already had. Um, and I think that's what really helped the success of these programs. Um, we were hearing from kids in, a, in another program that I'll, that I'll talk about in a second who were saying, I love the virtual aspect because I was in a more comfortable place. I didn't have to like freak out about meeting new people. Um, I could control the environment a little bit. You know, so all those things that come with um, the social anxiety, I think, of, of being a teenager were were sort of removed away. And I think that helped these kids really blossom. And, and the got, other thing that we saw. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say that they got so comfortable with each other. I, I know Jennifer's told the story of like the middle school students, like going into a virtual room and like having a jam session with their instruments. And, yeah. You know, yeah. playing I mean, games, cool, you know, right? Minecraft and whatever after research hours and all of that stuff. And, and so, that's stuff that we wouldn't even think about like sure. even organizing for them because it's even out of our vocabulary. Right, I mean, absolutely. for parents of target kids, maybe you might think about it, but you know, it's just, just not in the vocabulary. One thing I think that this also demonstrated and, and again, um, this isn't Appalachian specific, but notable for Appalachia is that these students are super resilient and they're super adaptable and they are willing to meet any challenge um, that is put in front of them. And I think it's so easy for folks who don't know the region to write off that adaptability and write off that resilience and, and conjure up some terrible stereotype about folks who, who live in the region. And what, what this adaptation proved is that's, that's not even anywhere near reality, right? These kids are just as clever and smart as, you know, put them up against any kid from Silicon Valley or, um, you know, I, I don't know, pick, pick your other place. But it, you will find that they are just as competitive and smart and um, uh, intellectually curious and hungry as anybody else. Awesome. That's great. I mean, and I love, one of the things I love about, and I've talked to Jennifer about this a bunch, so I feel like I have some inside knowledge. But Jennifer, first of all, how many students and teachers are we talking about? About 100-ish? 94 this year, right, Jennifer? We had 94 um, student and teacher participants this year. And then we also sent out packages to all of their mentors and uh and teachers who worked with them. So we have master teachers also who work with the curriculum. 94 awesome. participants. Well, so you sent, an, you sent kits, basically. Everything they would need that their mentors told you they would need for their research projects and a laptop to yeah. every one of these students because you wanted to ensure that they all had access to the virtual platform, to the opportunity to, um, you know, meet each other in the off hours, to do the virtual field trips, et cetera, et cetera. So nobody was at a disadvantage. That's exactly right. Um, we began giving laptops to the high school student participants in the ARC program several years ago as research projects started to become more computationally heavy. Um, so students were 
needing a computer to crunch data and um, they didn't have enough access to computers at the lab. They couldn't use their mentors' computers. They need to be able to do it in the hotel in the evenings. And so we started providing computers from ARC and the students were so grateful. I have never seen such excitement as the first year we gave laptops and so no one had any idea it was gonna happen. And I had the pleasure of being the project manager who got to stand up and announce after passing them all out that they got to keep them. That's and awesome. The paper that they just signed said that they got to keep them, but none of them read it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you got a card. You got you, a card. It's right. It's Oprah, right? <laughs> That's exactly it. And, and they would send me feedback that said things like, I wasn't sure I was going to have a laptop for college. And now I do. And that oh my gosh, that's just huge. My parents were worried about being able to get me a laptop for college and now they don't have to worry about that. Thank you. Thank you, ARC, for doing that for us. Um, and so this year, because of the virtual environment, we needed to also provide laptops to the middle school students. And we just don't want technology to be a reason that students can't participate. Mm -hmm. So they all had a laptop. Um, they were all the same, which made troubleshooting easier for us. Sure. And, and we were even able, um, through the generosity of the ARC, to provide um, wireless MiFi hotspots to students who did not have internet access at home. We had about 10 participants who just had no reliable internet. They had dial-up, so they couldn't be on a Zoom, um, right. or they had zero home internet. And we provided those hotspots for them with six months of service. So they are still able to use them right now for their fall um, projects at school, which a lot of schools are doing hybrid things or mm -hmm. still having a lot of online things. A kid gets quarantined and now they're virtual for two weeks. Those 10 people are also still able to have internet access on their laptops that we sent them for this program. That's so cool. I think it's absolutely one of the best things about the program. Not only are we getting students excited about STEM, giving them knowledge about STEM, but we're also giving them access to equipment. Mm -hmm. Over the, the years that we've been doing this program, the equipment that we've infused into the region is, is its own kind of effect, right? These students, middle school students even, they take home their wind turbine back in 2009 that they built in Oak Ridge and share it with their students in, the, in their classes. They share it with their teacher. Um, and now it's a force multiplier. Even more people get to learn about it because the participants become ambassadors for the program. Right, right. Um, well, so and you're giving, you know, those students are going to need a laptop, you know, either. Everyone needs a laptop. Every student needs one. Right. <clears throat> so wow. now they have one. Their parents don't have to worry about buying one for them. Um, so you're, taking a little bit of stress out of the situation. And, and the other half of that about, I mean, one of the reasons that we at ARC are, are so glad to be able to do that is that, yes, it takes the stress off the parents. Yes, they could get what they need, but it's a physical manifestation of the investment we're putting into them. Yep. And for us, we're all about investing and, and every time they sit down, whether it be now, here we are in September, October, or wherever it is, they know that someone believed in them enough to say, this is yours. Yep. Um, and I, I think that's a huge, huge, not to be underestimated thing. That is epic. That's awesome. 
Um, Wendy, I know that um, the Math Science and Technology Summer Institute and the Middle School Science Program have kind of served as templates, and you alluded to some of the yeah. other programs that you do, but they've kind of served as templates for the other programs that, the other educational programs that ARC offers um, elsewhere. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's something that we're super proud of. Um, so like I said, this relationship's been going on for 30 years, um, and it has proven to us two things. Like you said, it's offered a template, which I'll talk about in another second, but it also has proven to us what we knew in theory, which is it's so important to have students go through a process to be able to be exposed to other things. Um, and that's one thing. And then the other thing is our investment in leadership, right? Who who knows where we're going to be in 20 years? You know, we mm -hmm. got to make sure that, that the next generation is primed, ready, and confident um, mm -hmm. enough with the skills that they have to say, hey, I, I'm smart and listen to me and I have an idea. Um, so we have now this is uh, the math science uh, program is one out of four what I sort of call academies and institutes that ARC sponsors um, and the math science one sort of being the granddaddy of them all. The, the three others, uh, like I said, all draw on that those same concepts, those same concepts of investing in the future, leadership, exposure, um, and um, experiential learning, as it were. So, I mean, I can rattle them off, but they're all really interesting, and I think they all deserve sort of a moment to just sort of um, think about for a minute. One of them is called the Appalachian Teaching Project, which is a partnership that we have um, with ETSU, who works with colleges and universities, mostly like upper class and maybe graduate students. And as part of this program, we um, sponsor the teachers, the professors to do what we call um, an applied research project. So it's a seminar class, a full semester seminar class. And the curriculum is about find a community problem, design an intervention, research it, apply the intervention, and then report on it. Okay. So that's a lot of work, um, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of very practical work. And usually at the end, we've been doing this for, I don't know, like 15, 20 years, and, and usually at the end, there's about 13 or 14 schools. We bring all those kids to D.C., and we bring them wow. to Washington for a formal peer-to-peer -peer seminar, the equivalent okay. of an academic seminar, where they have to present to each other and there's questioning and there's um, a formal rapport and there's formal presentations. And sometimes it's the first time these students have been out of their county. Sometimes it's the first time they've been out of their state. For most of them, it's the first time they've been out of, been to DC. Sure. So in addition, they take four or five days and then they'll um, go do all the great, amazing DC stuff, um, go visit the monuments or and in addition, sometimes get to go see the members of Congress or get to see other um, institutions of government. Um, so there's a little civics tossed in there for good measure. <laughs> um, so we love doing that. That also is, you know, like all, every other program that's that's spinning off into a virtual um, uh, virtual thing this year. Um, and instead of bringing the students to DC, we'll be doing a, a virtual seminar in November. Okay. So that's one of them. 
And then the two others, the, we have a new program that started this year, and this is totally derivative of, a, of our program with um, ORNL. Um, it's taking the same experiential modeling, and it's called the Appalachian Entrepreneurship Academy. The idea is pretty self-explanatory. As Jennifer said, um, a lot of the middle school stuff uh, at ORNL now has this entrepreneurial um, entrepreneurship uh, focus. This is sort of a uh, point of entry is the other way. So it's a full entrepreneurship focus where for rising high school students, and it's a competitive, rising high school seniors, and it's a competitive uh, program where they have to apply. And the idea was, this is supposed to be the first year, and the idea was that they would come to Pittsburgh, which is in our region, for a three-week experiential learning thing. Oh, geez, it's just like ORNL, where they okay. go and they hang out and they stay um, at a hotel and they um, have experiential learning labs and seminars and meet all sorts of folks having to do with entrepreneurship. During that process, they would um, develop a product and then do all the entrepreneurship business stuff that has to do with developing that product. So business planning, financial planning, marketing, um, product testing, QA, you name it, the whole thing. So from soup to nuts. And then they would have a pitch contest. Well, of course, that flipped um, onto an online program, same model. Um, we put it onto an online platform very quickly and had the same response that we saw from ORN, RNL kids, which is, I love this. Um, I, I'm totally engaged. I get to be in my home. I still get the benefit of the quality of the education. People believe in me. They're investing in me with time and energy and smarts and technology. Um, so that was super exciting. Like I said, it was the first year and we're rolling into our second year um, next year. And then the fourth program we have, which is Talking not necessarily to students, but is really all about leadership is literally called the Appalachian Leadership Institute. Okay. Pretty simple. Um, and that is a also a competitive program, mostly for mid-career folks um, from a variety of sectors. Anything having to do with health or civil service or um, technology or recovery or private industry, you know, whatever. And the idea is to put together a very, very diverse group representing folks who are interested in community-based leadership. Um, ages range from, you know, probably folks in their late 20s to folks in their mid-50s. So just really uh, basically committed to this idea of um, leadership as it can be and different ideas about leadership. And we put these classes together. We just announced our second class uh, this week and we put these classes together and the idea would be, again, the original idea was field-based seminars and mm -hmm. we bring these 40 people together about once every six, seven weeks and they run around and they do projects and challenges and they meet with people and economic developers and they go visit site visits and of course that had to pivot now too. But even these folks who are not students, who are, who are a little bit more adult, are finding the benefit of the online platform and actually the versatility that it can bring and the enhanced exposure it can bring. You were talking about, Jennifer, virtual field trips to Mars. Well, we're not doing that with the Leadership Institute, but we are <laughs> doing virtual 
virtual field trips to places that we might not have been able to physically get to. So, um, I, so all of these things that again have that same theme. And for us, it's all about investment and future and investment and opportunity, which is where the connection to economic development comes in. There's a lot of stuff happening at ARC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're sort of like I said, the sleepy agency that affects all your lives. I mean, the, the joke is, you know, ARC has been around for 50 years, and we were originally known for, and we still do quite a bit of investing in infrastructure, water, sewer, um, and roads. And so, you know, if you're driving on a road in Appalachia, or if you're flushing a toilet, or if you're flicking on a light, um, the chances, <laughs> or if you're turning on your internet, the chances are somewhere um, we helped fund that, and we're really proud of it. That's awesome. That's exciting. Um, is there anything that I have missed in talking about the Institute, the Academy, ARC? Any, we've covered a lot of ground, um, and it's <laughs> all wonderful, um, but I want to make sure I haven't missed anything in this conversation. I think we covered most of it, Michael. I'm, I'm really <laughs> thankful for the opportunity to talk about um, how incredible these K-12 programs were this summer. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time. And Wendy, thank you so much for... Um, oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you guys again for just for ORNL being just a stalwart partner. And, you know, as Jen said, we had, we had 94 kids go through, the, uh, 94 people go through the program this year, but multiply that times 30. And there is a posse out there of <laughs> um, kids and teachers and, you know, that are, that are amazing. Um, and I think if there's one thing that we want to, and I want to personally make sure is heard is that, you know, Appalachia is rocking and there is so much talent and to write off the region is to overlook opportunity. So. Awesome. Well, on that note, that happy note, I'm going to bring our conversation to an end. Thank you both. Thank you so, so much, much, guys. Thank Lovely you. to chat with you both. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU, and on Instagram at ORAU Together. If you like Further Together, the ORU podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.